Hey, yo, peace world. It's the love king of R&B, Raheem Devon. And this is the Q Chat. Keep it locked right here. guys for joining another episode of the key chat podcast today my guest is miss farah m green and she's the author of 12 steps to your body and gold the ultimate guide to embracing self-love and mastering your health she is a body activist health enthusiast and a curvy woman entrepreneur so we're going to have a nice chat regarding health and of course my favorite topic self-love how are you doing today I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here and, you know, drop these gems for your um, audience. Yes, that's what we love. We love the dropping of the gems on the show. So I want to start. Um, I know you have a very interesting story. Um, one of the things that stuck out when I was looking at the information, you went through a deep depression and you experienced mental meltdowns at work. Um, you cried yourself to sleep at night and you begin having like a lot of suicidal thoughts. And um, on the show a lot, I have talked to other people in the past and we've talked about the same thing about the corporate stress, especially as minorities working in, you know, corporate America. It's like a real form of abuse, honestly, mental abuse. So can you give us some background on that? Because I think a lot of people don't understand how heavy it is to experience work stress. Yeah, it is, it is extremely heavy. It is extremely depressing. I think that with me being a not only, you know, Black, wo black woman, it's like my, my drive and my determination to succeed is so strong and so powerful. And when graduating from college, um, I had all this experience working in media. Um, and I got my degree in journalism and I worked my behind off. <laughs> when I say I worked my behind off for like, what? I started in the media industry when I was 17 years old. So I was working, I was working, you know, part-time jobs at the news station, in the media, in the field, producing shows and different things like that on top of, on top of going to university, taking classes and stuff um, to then graduate. And I remember telling myself that I don't want to move back home. I have to find an opportunity um, somewhere in, in the U.S. It doesn't have to be in D.C. because that's where I went mm -hmm. to school. That's the, mm -hmm. that's the location at my university was, was in. Where do you currently live now? I currently live in Virginia Beach. Okay, so, okay. Yeah, in Virginia Beach. And at that time, I just wanted to move like I, I did not want to move back home so I got the opportunity to work as a digital consumer producer for Cairo 7 News and I was 22 years old 
black women fresh out of college and when you're in the media field and you're studying journalism and you're producing shows and you're out in the field interviewing people that particular industry wants you to start at like the 98th market or the 88th market or the 50th market somewhere that really no one knows about in the boondocks somewhere to basically like make all of your mistakes as you come up and climb up um you know as you go up the ladder in, in, in corporate or like in your career with the media and to be honest with you I skipped all those steps and it's mainly because of all the experience that I had leading up to that point with me you know working at Fox 5 local news in New York City to then also working at Fox 5 local news in DC to then graduating and then going into a number eight market which is Seattle Washington and they the way they treated me, it felt like they did not want me to be there. They felt they, I knew they felt like, who's this young girl or who's this young, you know, cat coming in here talking about, she's going to like produce our digital segments and stuff like that. She doesn't have the experience. She just graduated out of college. This is a number eight market. What is she doing here? She needs to, you know, start at, in a lower market. And you can just- Feel that with problems was a lot of it because of your race and um also being a woman like what do you think stemmed a lot of it or was it because they were intimidated by your youth and your education like if you could if you could pinpoint it you know like what do you think that stemmed the behavior I think I think the behavior really stemmed from my age mm. um my I think it really stemmed from like my age I think it also stemmed from the fact that big corporate so the people who actually owns the station sent me sent me down there Mm -hmm. so they felt like this is like corporate controlling our news environment um whereas the actual like new station itself didn't hire me so Mm -hmm. I was under because Cairo 7 is owned by Cox Media Group at the time at least it was it was owned by Cox Media Group so Cox Media Group is really who I'm getting paid by whereas everybody else in the in the newsroom was getting paid by Cairo 7 News so Mm -hmm. it was almost as if like corporate is sending down this young girl to do x y and z at our newsroom she doesn't have the experience now you're you're i'm i'm working with people that's been in a game for 25 years 30 plus years 15 years right Mm -hmm. so when you are working with someone who's been in the game for 15 20 years and been on tv since the start of their career and then you're in that type of market, there's no room for error. There's no room for mistakes. You, We have to make sure that we're getting the facts right. We have to make sure that everything that we write, everything we post online, every, everything that we do, it has to be correct because eyeballs are, 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 are watching. Um, mm-hmm. And I remember like making this, I remember making this one mistake online. I, I put up the wrong information and the, I was a digital producer for like a big time talent in Carol, like in Seattle, Washington. And so everything that he did online, media, all that stuff, it was basically me on the back end working it. And so I made this one big mistake and that one big mistake kind of gets left a bad taste in the news director's, you know, mouth. 
And I remember mm-hmm. election night when all of that stuff was going on, because this is when back when like Trump was about to <laughs> be president. And I remember right. that in a newsroom. And when when you're covering something like that, you have to stay in a newsroom for like 12 hours. So like it's like all hands on deck, like people are staying overnight, everything. And the news director whispered into the ear of another digital producer and basically was saying like, watch her, like watch, you know, watch what she does. She needs to make like everything that she puts out, it needs to be accurate. And when something actually- Were you in here, Scott? Huh? Like, how did you hear? Were you like near them when they said it? No, so so when something, so I'm going to tell you how I knew he was talking about me. Because when something went wrong, when something went live, and when something was at like literally 30 minutes later, when something went live and was inaccurate, he literally turned around, snapped at me, the, not the news director, the, the other digital producer, because he's getting this information from the news director. He literally turned around, snapped at me and was like, why did you do that? Why did you do X, Y, and Z? Why did you put out that information? Da, 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 da. Going all for me. Meanwhile, it wasn't, it wasn't my mistake. I didn't do anything actually, but he assumed that it was me. It was the other coworker who was a white male who said, actually, it was me. I made that mistake. And he was just like, oh, okay, don't do that again. Like he 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 just brushed it off. Mm-hmm. I'm happy that he then turned around to me and apologized. At at that at that very moment, I knew that okay, this is different all across the board because I saw how they treated the other new producer who was a white male versus me being also a digital producer, but I, I happen to be a woman and a black woman at that and a young black woman at that. So, and how long did you stay at the station? I was there for about a year, a year mm-hmm. before I got out of that situation. My and how long did you deal with the depression? So did it start like once the mistake started or did you automatically start um, the, with the, the stress? The, uh, the uh, depression happened probably started coming on maybe three months after I started selling, settling in. Because when you're mm-hmm. in a new role, like when you start a new role, everything looks peachy and cream in the beginning, right? Like mm-hmm. things are great. You're training. You need to know the ropes. Things didn't start clicking to me until like three months after that. Okay, um, yeah, something's something's not right. Like I just I just felt so uncomfortable in my work environment. And I'm be real. Maybe at the time I wasn't producing at the level that they wanted me to produce um, because I was, you know, fresh to them. I was fresh in the industry. I haven't been in for 20, 15 years. And it really happened like at like that at that three at the at that three month mark. That's when I started falling into depression because I didn't have a support system. I was out there by myself. My family was back on the East Coast. My now husband was in California. So we saw each other like only once a month. We used to fly back and forth. Um, I didn't really have friends out there either. And if you don't know, Seattle, Washington is the number one state like the number one state for um suicide for suicide um really at the highest suicide rates and it's because it's also gloomy it's rainy all the time it's depressing 
So imagine going through what I went through. And then on top of that, the weather sucks too. Yeah, so, you know, um, I think people don't realize the health benefits literally of vitamin D, sunlight. Like, so I never, ever, ever thought about that. Like, I know like Seattle obviously is known for rain, which I think Louisiana could um, <laughs> could compete with them, but I never thought about that. Wow. Yeah, I, mean, I, think it's, I think it's more so because it's like in the Northwestern, it's also very cold. Mm-hmm. All the mountains and stuff is out there when it rains and like just even me talking to you about it and and telling you about this it just it just really puts me back into that it just puts me back into that weird (laughs) that weird space like I just remember nights like taking the bus and and just being like oh I gotta go back to work the next day and Mm -hmm. the only thing that kept me going was waking up every morning at 6 a.m and going to the gym and being around people that I actually enjoy working out with. And that's the only thing that kept me sane for the most part, but mm-hmm. I still, I was still struggling and I was also still trying to plan a wedding in the midst of that. Yeah. So my depression, like it just, it really didn't get better until I actually left that place. And mm-hmm. the one thing that I had to realize was, okay, Farrah, like, your health goes beyond the number on a scale. Your health goes beyond like your physical appearance. Your health even goes beyond what you eat and what you consume. You have to get your stress level and mental health under control because for me and my body type, I know that the way my body handles stress, it's not going to, I, 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 get, I gain weight. I'm not one of those people that lose weight or maintain. My body will gain weight no matter how much I do. So I really had to look deep and dig deep and figure out how to get myself out of being depressed even after I moved. Because <laughs> sometimes, yeah. like, even though you change your environment, you can still be in a place of, even though you change your environment and you go to a different surrounding, your mind is still back to where you were before in the environment. I, last I, but I'm glad you mentioned that because I talk about work stress a lot. I mean, that was one of the reasons I love the industry. I was in, like, I hate it going to work and the building I worked in it was gray walls literally gray walls Mm -hmm. I wasn't near any windows and it was just like I mean it it was it was depressing I mean I didn't like I just I was under a lot of stress a lot of pressure I would dream about work and I would dream about accounts you know like if I wasn't like at the physical building sometimes I'd have to bring work home Mm -hmm. when I would on my kids would automatically ask me and I have three kids at separate times so it wasn't like the kids would collectively ask me this but it'd be different at home where my children would ask me separately well how was work because they knew like it would affect my mood you know and even on weekends I didn't have any any time it was it was crazy you know um I was at that company I want to say maybe four or five years before I took a week-long vacation. When I came back, they had like a pile of problems they wanted to throw at me because I, I left for a vacation that I, you know, obviously should have had the right to take, wanted to write up stuff. Like, I, I cannot yeah. deal with this. That that you gave another account because I, I talk about this a lot. I think people really underestimate if you are at a job you're unhappy at, it, it literally can kill you. Yeah. It okay. really can I was going to the doctor a lot too the last few months I was there because mm-hmm. 
I was physically drained and I thought something was wrong with me. You know, I was mm-hmm. blood test everything because I didn't have any energy. And I still have, I mean, I'm anemic anyway, but it was really, really, really bad there. And when I left, I noticed that I didn't have the same problems I had with my asthma as I did when I was in there. Mm -hmm. And I had more energy after I left. And Mm -hmm. I was like, wow. I was like, I was depressed and couldn't really see the depression at the time. I just knew I didn't like being there. And I I would wake up every morning. Every single morning I wake up and say I was stuck because I didn't want to be there and I wanted to quit. But every morning I'm like, well, I'm not gonna be able to keep my house. Not gonna be able to take care of this. Like, Every but this was a repetitious thing literally every morning. So I'm happy that you said that because I think re- people really underestimate how your work environment can yeah. affect life and it, it can affect you mentally. Yeah, it can affect you mentally and it can affect how you also like treat other people like in your household. So like especially if you have kids or a spouse, like it's just it's just really not not healthy at at all. And yeah. I didn't know, I didn't really put a name to what I was going through until I went back home, back to Maryland, to my mom's house. And to her, as her daughter, as her child, I didn't look the same. Like, she was just like, yeah, here is mm, not really looking how you would normally keep it. Like, your clothes, you don't care about how you look. Like, and she was like, Farrah, you're depressed. And I was like, what? She's like, yeah, you are depressed. And I was like, yo, so this is what I'm feeling. Like the, the, the crying myself to sleep, to having breakdowns at work in the bathroom, to, you know, like having suicidal thoughts, to freaking thinking about, you know, cutting my contract and just paying the money back that they gave me to move across state. Like, yeah. I'm just, I was just, I was just over it. I was too through. But what got me through it was... <laughs> I knew my contract was coming up and I said, I'm not going to renew this contract. I am leaving. I am out. I don't care what I have to do. I have to get out of this situation. Um, And that's when I moved to California. And then after settling in California, that's when I got my, my body back. That's when I got my health back. Like my mind was just clearer. I was, I was happier. I remember sitting on the side of my bed and telling my husband, I said, I need to get my health and wellness under control, but it has to have, it has to not do anything, anything. I don't want it to do with anything with the number on the scale. Like it, the number on the scale cannot be my number one motivation because right. it will continuously set me back because I'm not driven by numbers. I'm driven mm. by feeling, I'm driven by, you know, action. So I said, you know what? How about I just run a 5k and set a date and I'm going to run this first 5k and I'm going to train for it up until that date and I did my first one I found a running group and then in less than a year I ran 10 5ks and 10ks and a half marathon because mm. I was just like I need to get back to me this is this is yeah. this not the this is not the girl who was ambitious throughout school throughout college this is not the the, the woman that I, the woman and grown woman that I knew at the time, like it was, it was just not myself. So I worked extremely hard to do that. And I started documenting my journey on social media and a lot of women were, can relate and was attracted to my message and what I stood for. And so that's when I also started coaching other women 
um, on body positivity, on self-love, and then um, on nutrition as well, because that's a big component. We can eat our, eat our emotions away. And, you know, really looking at the foods that you're consuming to also help better manage your stress. So mm-hmm. I ended up becoming a certified nutritionist, nutritionist coach. Um, and even now I'm about to start my grad program in nutrition too. So <laughs> I am really dedicated to learning this and yeah. So let's dive into the book. So I know that, um, like you said, you have 12 steps to body and goal, the ultimate guide to embracing self-love and mastering your health. And of course, like the work stress alone that you mentioned, I just, like I said, I just feel like that's a topic that people do need to discuss more and be more transparent about. Everyone obviously has to earn a living, but so many people are suffering at their job. It's affecting their lives and it does affect your health, definitely. So let's talk about the book because obviously you have found a way to overcome the stress that you dealt with and take control of your health, which is something that we need to do definitely as women, minority women, in particular. So I have a few points for you. So one of the things that and I have about four points I wanted to go over in particular, the yeah. first one was where you have further gained clarity on how to better your health. So what is that? What was the basis of that topic? Um, so for me, the first, the first step was really admitting like, I think a lot of a lot of people really have a hard time admitting that there is an issue. Um, they have a hard time admitting that something's actually wrong with them. They're actually struggling with something. Um, they don't want to face the problem. They don't want to be honest with themselves, nor do they want to really be honest with the people around them. So the first step is really just admitting. And that is honestly how you're going to gain the clarity that you need that you need because once you actually admit the issue and admit the problem then you can turn around and say okay what is it that I now want and what do I want my health my journey to actually look like for me from that point you are gaining clarity but not only that you're also finding a solution to your problem which is also a form of clarity and so from that point, you're able to actually start implementing certain steps in order to actually build the foundation of gaining more clarity around your health and wellness journey. So when it comes to, like like you said, when it comes to like really the basis of all of this, I think it, it, really, it really starts with admitting. And majority of the women that I work with, they have, they have a huge issue with that first step. Because there are some hard questions that you really have to ask yourself when it comes down to admitting. Because we can lie to ourselves all day, every day, and make up stories in our head about Mm -hmm. what's really going on with us or what really the problem is, or say, I'm going to stick it through no matter what. Or, you know, but but it's like, okay, what is that going to do? Like, you're still going to be in the same position. You're still going to end up in the same spot. You're still going to end up, you know continuously struggling continuously to do yoga dieting you know you know like you're going to continuously bash your body like body shame your own body right um you're just going to continue to have that negative mindset so you first have to really admit to the problem and figure out what the problem is 
So the next point that I pulled from your site is, and you touched on that a little bit, understanding that the number scale does not define your work. So I know like you mentioned that earlier, but I know like I've had friends in the past who were dealing with weight issues and they would say like, well, when I lose X amount of pounds, I'm going to do this, yeah. you know, I the weight to the next goal as opposed to kind of like living in the moment. So what's your thoughts on, you know, like you mentioned, like I said, these are some points I put up your site to just tell people to encourage them, but to understand that the number scale does not define your work. Because I think, you know, women, we all go through struggles with weight, especially now with the virus. So many people have gained weight. We were sitting at home eating and watching television. Like what else was there to do but yeah. to eat? You know, so a lot of us are like some people who weren't necessarily dealing with weight issues prior. Now they are dealing with it. So what is your take on that? Yeah. So I always tell people like it's not about the number on the scale. It's about simply learning how to live your life great. And what I mean by that is when you live your life green, meaning you're living your life in that healthy, whole you know, being in a healthy and whole environment, consuming the right um, whole foods, being involved with the right, you know, relationships with people, um, being in situations where it's actually going to benefit you and not sucking the life out of you um, and is actually giving you life. That's what I mean by like living your life green and not letting the number on the scale define you because what often happens is people use that number to stifle them from really going after what what their dreams are. So like you say, your friend said, I'm not gonna lose weight until I'm able, until, well, I'm gonna lose weight, but I won't be able to do X, Y, and Z and, 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 until I get to a certain number on the scale. And that's honestly just gonna stop you from living your life in fullness. Like the thing is like a lot of people are like, are so, are so conscious about their weight, are so conscious about their body. And it's and it's not to say that anything is wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that because I do believe that you should be aware of what you're putting in your body. I do believe you should be aware of the scale fluctuating up and down. Um, and then fixing and tweaking parts of your health that needs to be tweaked so that you can be healthy and whole. But at the mm -hmm. same time, like, don't stop living your life just because you yourself don't like your body. Like, mm -hmm. If you don't like your body, then other people around you can read that, can feel that, and they won't like your body either, which is probably, they're not even thinking about that, right? They're not, they're not thinking about like how, how, how big you are, how fluffy you are, how, how, how much loose skin you got. Like, they're not thinking about that. It's the same thing when people are like, okay, I need to, you know, get to this amount of weight to be able to actually walk into a gym and work out because I feel like people are staring at me. When I, I heard you... When I tell you, like, ain't nobody worried about you. Like, ain't no, ain't nobody really staring at you like that. Like, they, that they yeah. need to get in a particular shape before they even go to, the, go to the gym. And I'm just like, no, that's what the gym is for. You have to build a level of confidence with your body to a point where no matter what anybody says about your body, they can't take you down because you know how phenomenal you are and you know where you're going. So I always tell women, like, accept your body for what it is now. Focus on loving your body for the, at the phase that it is now. And mm -hmm. then learn how to love your body throughout the process so that by the time you reach that end result, by the time you reach your body goals, whatever that may be, you do not want to get to that point and then turn around and be stuck and realize that, dang, I still don't like myself. Dang, 
mm, there's, I still don't like my stomach. It's still pudgy. I still got rolls. I still got flaps under my arms. I still got thick thighs, right? But it's like, girl, you didn't love your body to begin with. So what makes you think you're going to love your body when you're smaller? That's, that's, that's just not like, that's not how your brain works. Mm-hmm. You have to, you have to first feel as though and think as though that you are enough to be able to get to that point of just accepting your body, no matter how much the number on a scale fluctuates, because let's be real life happens. I'm going to tell you right now, like when I first started my, my platform, I was, I was basically at my smallest weight over the years due to, due to moving was living in Seattle to then moving to Cali to then moving to Virginia beach. Cause I'm a military wife. Like yeah. My weight has has always fluctuated, but I always kept it. I always kept it honest and straightforward with every woman that I coach because life is gonna happen. You don't know what may throw you off. You don't know what may throw you. You know, like oh my gosh, what just happened? To where sometimes you can lose that control of your body, but does that mean that you have to stop loving it? But right? Does that mean that you have to stop living your life to its fullness just because mm-hmm. your weight is fluctuating, just because you had a baby or, you know, of course you may have insecurities about your body. We all do, right. but don't let that stop you from doing what you have to do for yourself or stop, stop that, you know, from stop that from, um, make you stop from like, really like accomplishing your dreams and, and just showing up yeah. as best you. Mm-hmm. Now, one important point that I found by looking at your website, we talk about mindset on our show a lot, and the whole premise is self-love. So one particular point that I found that kind of ties everything together was shift your mindset to believe the body of your dreams is closer than you think. So what is your platform regarding that? Because I thought that was, like I said, mindset, I feel, controls everything. Yeah. this, our energy towards something and really we think it we really can't achieve it I know it sounds facetious but it really is true we think it we truly can't achieve it so how does that relate to body health and body image yeah I, you know I think that body body health and like you know like body image is is not just about like how you look it's not just about your physical appearance it's really about how you feel on the inside and I think that a lot of times people just equate health with weight so often. So someone can be, you know, a size six, but they can be so unhealthy. On the mm-hmm. outside, they may look very healthy, but on the inside, internally, they're really not. They're taking lots of medication, you know, every day to sustain. They may be on insulin, whatever the case may be. But then you have somebody who, you know, is a curvier woman who, you know, got thicker, curvier, whatever. Um, and she's at the healthiest, she's at the healthiest she's ever been. She eats right. She goes to the gym. She's active. Um, she's consistent with showing up. She's taking, she's going to the doctor, you know, checking her numbers, everything across the board is accurate. And her doctor may even say, Hey, you know, you need to lose a little bit of weight, but everything else looks good. Right. We, we all been in that situation and, and gotten that report. Um, so that's basically what I mean by like your body, your body goals are actually like closer than you think. 
And the reason why I, I say that and harp on that is because I'm really referring to like your internal health. Mm-hmm. I'm really, really referring to your internal health. Just one week of like eating right, going to the gym, meditating, praying, being more aware, being more alert. You can, you can feel such a big difference with how you feel when it comes to your body. You may even feel smaller. You may even look in the mirror and realize that you lost a few inches. You may even put on your clothes and say, oh, this shirt isn't, you know, snug anymore. Or these pants aren't, you know, this tight around my waist just after one week. And then from that point, you do those same activities that you implemented that first week. And then those wins, all those wins really start to pile up. So that's what I mean by like your body, your dream body is closer than you think. And I'm not necessarily talking about shedding fat because shedding fat and building muscle that is a science that is totally different. Like you're looking at calorie intake, you're looking at um, your macros, like all that, right? Like you're literally punching in numbers to figure out what's the best grams, amount of carbs, protein, fats, or whatever that needs to go into your body to be able to cut. I'm not talking necessarily about cutting weight or shredding body fat. I'm really talking, I'm really, really referring to your internal health when I say your body, your dream body is closer than you think, because I also have women who are overweight and they're type two diabetic, they're type, you know, they, they're type two diabetic and, you know, they're on five different medications, but within their first, you know, two months of working with me or even their first 90, 90 days, they're off of their hypertension medication and they're off of their um, metformin diabetic medication. So your dream body is not just, again, not just talking about your weight. It is referring to your internal health whatever it is that you're going through internally that is a diet-related chronic illness, it can potentially be reversed. You just have to be willing to do the work and make a commitment and show up for yourself. So before we round everything out, um, obviously our show talks about self-love and I just had an episode yesterday where I was telling someone, you know, self-love actually, same thing, it's internal. To me, it has nothing to do with the physical that's self-care and all that other stuff but self-love literally is internal work because like you said you can have the air quote perfect body type in your mind that you want externally but if you're not healed inside, it really doesn't matter actually because you're still you're still unhealthy internally and that's what truly matters so what is your ultimate definition of self-love I think my ultimate definition of self-love is not compromising your non-negotiables. That's how I would honestly sum it up, not compromising your non-negotiables. I think that oftentimes when you have a certain goal in place, the people that's mostly around you don't understand your vision, don't understand how you're trying to get better, may not even understand why you're even making you know these these improvements in your life and it's so easy for them to say oh well you could skip a day you don't have to do that you already look great right or don't listen to them or don't listen to what the doctors say like you you can get that negative and discouraging feedback that will kind of um and not to say those those people honestly don't mean to be probably don't mean to be negative um, but it could be just very discouraging on your part and, or on your end. And, you know, when hearing that, 
it kind of like stops you from moving forward and propelling forward along your self-love, you know, path. Because the things that you have set in place, you're now giving that up just to please somebody else. So if my non-negotiable is, no, I have to work out, you know, every morning at 6 a.m. And then a girlfriend calls me and be like, hey, girl, um, she probably wouldn't do this. But hey, girl, can you come to, you know, um, shopping with me at 6 a.m. in the morning? The, the mall opens really, really early. We got to get in there really, really soon. It's like, well, are you going to say yes or are you going to say no? Personally, I would say no and be like, hey, girl, you got to choose a different time. Because me working out, me taking the time out for myself in the morning is a non-negotiable. And I'm not willing to compromise that for anyone, not even my husband. Because if I'm not good, if I'm not whole, then how can I be able to sit there and pour into somebody else's cup and give them what they need? So I definitely, I definitely do think that self-love, the way you practice it, is really protecting your environment, being around the right people, having the right support system. If you don't have the right support system, find a group of ladies, find people who will support you throughout your process throughout your healing journey and stop compromising for things that you really want to do with your life. Mm. It, it, it is a non-negotiable, non like you have to do this, these certain things every single day for you to focus, for you to feel good about your body, for you to feel loved by yourself, right? Don't compromise your non-negotiables. Mm. I love it, I love it. And I truly agree. We had a conversation on this the other day just about self-love and boundaries. Like I've heard discussions saying that self-love also has toxic elements, which I don't agree with. Um, and I only feel like people who say that are people who are benefiting from people that were not using boundaries. But I feel like part of self-love is boundaries. And I love how you said non-negotiables. Some things are just, like you said, it's non-negotiable. It's not an option. I feel that is part of self-love, just being able to say no and just be able to stand your ground and putting yourself first. And the element that we've discussed in this entire conversation, putting your health first. And health, I mean, I think one of the misconceptions of healthy is thinking that a person has to be thin and, you know, mm -hmm. muscular or whatever to be the definition of healthy and that's not necessarily the case you know being in good health you could be what maybe what may not be an ideal size to some but that person who may not be an ideal size they go to the gym more than the other person who may be smaller but they eat junk all day and they're putting all these natural products in their body and that in addition obviously it's not healthy so I like how we're basically touching on there are different definitions of healthy and I just think that that's one of the common misconceptions that halts people sometimes. Like, like, I, like you said, I know people that have said they need to be a particular size before they go to the gym. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm, one of my clients have said that to me too. <laughs> like, I've heard that a lot. Like, I, you know, I, I've heard that so many times, you know, and that's just a thing. And a part of self-love too is loving your body. And loving your body in the stage that it's in. So let's say that you may have a particular goal down the line. And that's totally fine. I think the majority of us do. Yeah. But still love yourself in the meantime. Still yeah. have that for yourself. And I think that's really important. I so agree. 
explain how they can purchase your book, how they can contact you, and just give all your information, all your contact information. Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram at Farah M Green underscore. Um, and you can follow the Thick, Bold, and Healthy um, IG page as well at Thick, Bold, and Healthy. And feel free to join us on Facebook inside of the Facebook community called the Thick, Bold, and Healthy community um, as well. It's totally free. And this is where I engage and teach um, a lot of my clients about you know certain things. And yeah, you can visit thetbhlife.com, www.thtbhlife.com to actually grab your book, 12 Steps to Your Body of Gold. And there is a digital format. So you can grab that as well if you're not into actual tangible um, items. <laughs> but yeah, that's where you can find me and connect with me. And please reach out to me if you need any advice or if you need any help. And one last thing I do want to ask you before we end everything regarding your client. So what is the typical client for your TBH um, lifestyle? Like, are there particular things that your average client is looking for? Like, what are all the, uh, just list down everything that you do offer your clients. Yeah, so um, we have our body revamp program, which is our, um, really our number one program where we coach women for a total of four months. And so throughout that four months, we do genetic testing. So we're looking at what your body is really lacking um, nutrition wise and what your body actually needs to do and what you need to begin to implement to get to your goal. So we do offer genetic testing and then we offer um, a fitness trainer, a nutrition coach, which is myself, um, and then also a mindset um, coach with, within those four months so that you can start to really transform your body internally and externally. So for me, I, I like working with my clients who say, okay, Farrah, is either now or nothing. The majority of my clients are older because they're now at that point. They're now at that age where they realize they have to really make a change. Um, and it's a scary change, right? Because you're changing your eating, you're changing your habits, you're changing your mindset. It's a scary and exciting change at the same time. So I, I push a lot of them out of their comfort zone and we focus a lot on mindset in the first month or two. And then after that, it's all about implementation of how you eat, how you move your body, how you think about your relationship with food, right? Those are some of the things that we talk about. And each plan that I create for a client within those four months is customized. So mm -hmm. we look at your body um, composition. We look at, you know, um, may even look at too, depending on what your goals are, your macros. Um, and also we look at your micronutrients as well. So it is, it is really a dig deep <laughs> type of program because it, a lot of my clients get very uncomfortable, but they thank me later because they're like, if it wasn't for that first part, like, cause a lot of them just want to get to, Farrah, just give me the plan. Just give me the workout plan. And I'm just going to go ahead and execute. And it's like, no, you're not because you're still messed up here. You're still messed up like mentally and your environment around you isn't really a healthy environment for you to operate as your best self and for you to show up every day to really be hitting these goals. So we got to fix that first. We have to evaluate that first and then start making those changes so that you can be able to 
implement these lifelong changes that we're about to teach you that that works for your lifestyle and body. Awesome. 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 Thank you so much for sharing your story. I think you have an amazing service and I know it definitely has to be benefiting a lot of women. So I think you have a very awesome service that you're doing and it's great that you were able to overcome the things that you went through and then of course to help the next person so I think that's the most amazing thing about this entire conversation so guys please go ahead and definitely check out Farah go ahead and find her social media and if you need help you know with this journey like I said self-love and I do talk about the internal part of self-love but our physical help is important you know, like we, a lot of us are pouring a lot of things into our body that's also affecting us mentally. Actually, foods really hold a lot of power more than that, more than what we think. The, the most average things that we're putting in our body, like every single day, I've been researching a lot lately, especially as I got into my forties, just trying to take control of some things health wise. Just realizing certain foods are truly unhealthy yeah. and cause issues, and some of the preservatives food colorings, even something as basic as the water, the bottled waters that we're oh, drinking yeah. are actually <laughs> harming our bodies. So of course I do talk about the internal side of self-love, which is my number one goal as far as my message to people. But physically, we definitely need to take control of our health. If anything, the last few months, uh, really since last year, I think a lot of us thought about our health in different ways. Some of us have handled it in different ways of course but I feel like we should take control of our health we should not have to suffer physically and in order to live your best life you do need to be healthy and that's internally and as well as externally so thank you guys for joining the Q chat you can catch this episode and many more at www.thequeuchat.com so guys make sure you stay safe take control of your bodies and go love yourself go queen go queen Go queen, go represent. You're a queen, you're a queen, oh.